Welcome to the Cowboy Chronicles, the Oklahomans, Oklahoma State football podcast, brought to you by Zaxby's. Cure your cravings, stop in today or visit zaxby's.com. I am your host, Scott Wright, joined by my beat partner, Jacob Unruh. Jacob, it's Tulsa Week. No messing around. We've got a guest on the line, Dakota Gregory from the Tulsa World, Tulsa football beat writer. Dakota, thank you very much for joining us, man. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, bud. Well, let's uh, let's let's jump right into this with the uh, with the Tulsa side of things. Um, what's been kind of the, uh, the the feel around around that program right now? I know Philip Montgomery is trying to get them uh, get them on track and get them uh, mm-hmm. heading in the right direction. What's uh, what's the feel around that program right now as far as uh, the progress that they're making? Um, I think the first step was you know going into the season, they're big on not letting this become the norm. You know, you come back from a two-win season, a three-win season, and if you kind of do that a third season in a row, that's kind of what people around the program or people around Tulsa, just fans in general, kind of start to expect that from you. So that was their main goal, to reach a certain number of wins. I think they've named five or six to get to bowl eligibility where people no longer expect Tulsa football to be a team that goes and just wins two or three games. So that's kind of been their goal this season is just like every coach, Montgomery preaches week by week, but I think obviously this week is a little bit bigger in the locker room than most weeks. What uh, what's what has stood out? I mean, it seems from uh, from afar, from from the Oklahoma State perspective, at least that the uh, that the defense has been uh, kind of a key to the season at this point. Um, is that uh, is that kind of been the case, or is there some uh, some other things that have stood out to you? That's for sure. I mean, that was something we all noticed, I think, immediately against Michigan State. I mean, that's Michigan State's kind of a team known for their defense. They've known to struggle a little bit offensively, but they look great against them. I mean, um, they gave up 28 points, but they only found the end zone once. I think the Spartans started like four drives inside Tulsa territory, but every time the defense held them to a field goal. And then you go and they give up 16 points to San Jose State. So one thing good about their defense is I think Tulsa can almost be in every game just because their defense. And now they just have to get their offense clicking, um, whether it's you know Zach Smith at quarterback getting the rust off, or um, their running backs getting going, or their offensive line kind of figuring stuff out because they're so young and inexperienced right now. Is is it that that front seven that really kind of stands out? That's who uh, Mike Gundy kind of. Uh, pointed out a lot the other day. You guys like uh, Travis Gibson and, and maybe Jackson mm-hmm. Player. Yeah, yeah. I I noticed that immediately. That Gundy. That was kind of who when he was asked about the defense, he immediately mentioned Jackson Player and Travis Gibson. Um, Jackson Player. I don't. I, he surprises me that he's the type of guy that coaches already planning around. I mean, he has two starts under his belt, um, but he's been great so far. But Travis Gibson was a guy coming into the season. He's their guy. I mean, it's just kind of who he is. He's a senior, um, you know, leader. You know, Montgomery says not even on the defensive side of the ball. He's their, you know, their leader on the offensive side of the ball. Just as a, as a team, he's their dude. And he kind of fits the role of that, too. I mean, you see him walking around campus, whether he's wearing polo or pads. I mean, you can tell that he's a guy that's going to come around and you don't want to mess with them. And so it's definitely been that front spot seven but even, I mean, they have a guy, Zayvon Collins, that linebacker, who is a great, he's a great young talent. I mean, he's he was a freshman All-American last year. He's a sophomore this year, kind of picking right up, picking up where he left off. And so um, that's definitely where their strength is for sure. 
Now, I, I want to talk about Zayvon Collins because I've been fascinated by that guy going back to when he was in yeah, high school. I remember but, him in Hominy. Yeah, but mm-hmm. uh, but but one last thing on Gibson. He sounds like he's got a little uh, a little extra motivation this week from uh, some of the things you guys have written. Yeah, yeah. Garen apparently had written it, um, or he had said it before the season even started. He had mentioned how um, he was Oklahoma State was one of the schools I didn't offer him, and uh, but granted, you know, it's mentioned the story. Gibson wasn't a big, very guy. He was pretty lanky. Um, lineman Chris Ivey even said that he thought he was a basketball player when he showed up to campus because he's so tall and lanky. And but now he's put on like. 50 pounds or something since he's been on the TU campus. And like I said, I mean, he fits the part now, how big he is. And I guess, I guess in a way it would, if anything, it's the school's kind of knocked his work ethic because you think, Oh, well that kid's not going to put on enough weight to be a D one defensive end. And he did it. You know, he worked his butt off. He ate what he needed to eat. He spent time in the gym and he definitely looks like a D one defensive end now. And Collins has uh, has bulked up quite a bit since uh, since his time at Hominy. He was a uh, he was a stringy looking dude back in uh, back in the day <laughs> yeah. when he was playing quarterback for them. But you could definitely see the the athletic ability. Mm-hmm. What uh, what is that? Is that still what stands out about him? Yeah, and like you said, like I kind of mentioned, Travis, as when you see him on the field and you think, oh wow, that's got to be one of the better players just by look. Zayvon Collins the same way. Like you said, he's bulked up. And you're like, oh, wow, that's got to be one of their guys that they go to on defense. And it is. But, yeah, he's just he's everywhere. You know, even from watching him practice or games, he's he just has a nose for the ball. I think the ball is just an instinct. And um, I, I hear people say this all the time, but I imagine being a quarterback helps him a lot. I think he's able to read defenses better and kind of judge where the ball is going better. So that's just an extra asset he has on top of his athletic ability. I want to switch to the secondary a little bit. Um, the secondary has its hands full. I mean, there's no doubt about it with Tylen mm-hmm. Wallace and um, guys like that all around him. Gundy talked a lot about they play a lot of man-to-man defense, and he's really impressed by what they do in the secondary. How do you think they approach OSU this week, though? Because man-to-man could get really dicey if you start trying to man up Tylen Wallace. Yeah, that that's true. I don't... I don't know. Um, one thing at corner is they do they have a lot of size. I mean, I don't know what it is with Montgomery's fascination recruiting big corners, but he does. That's one of the things I immediately noticed when I got on this beat. I look at the depth chart. They have more size at corner than they do at wide receiver, and that's not a normal thing. I mean, uh, a Caleb Evans is 6'2", and Allie Green is 6'3". You know, they're two starting corners. And so I think that's why they do a lot of man is because they know they can kind of just use their size um, to outdo stuff, but like you said, I mean, Tyler Wallace is, you know, maybe the best receiver in the country. Um, he was brought up at the press conference, and I think he's just somewhere where um, you kind of just have to slow him down. I guess you just hope to slow him down. <laughs> hope for the best, and right? <laughs> you gain, I don't think you can game plan too much around him because I think no matter what you do during the week or on Saturday, he's still going to make plays. So I guess he's got to find ways to make up for it in other places flip over to the offensive side of the ball real quick and uh actually before that let's take a quick break we'll come back and, and do some more of that and get into some other stuff uh this is the cowboy chronicles presented by zaxby's we are back on the cowboy chronicles presented by zaxby's i am your host scott wright joined by jacob unruh and our special guest dakota gregory of the tulsa world dakota let's uh let's dive over into the offensive side of the ball 
uh, for Tulsa. You mentioned uh, you mentioned a phrase earlier that I uh, that I thought was very fitting when you're talking about Zach Smith knocking the rust off. This is a guy that's mm-hmm. uh, that's that's kind of been uh, waiting for this opportunity to uh, to to get going. Is that uh, is that kind of the feeling that he needs to just uh, get settled in? Yeah, I mean Montgomery said that every week, kind of every you know it's it's weird to say experience because he kind of says you know Zach Smith getting the experience but in a way he is you know he started 10 games at Baylor that was you know a year or two ago and so a lot's happened then I mean when you're just being at practice is different like he said when he played Michigan State and he got hit and that was the first time in almost two years that Zach Smith's taken a hit or actually had to throw in a football um while someone was able to hit him and so a lot of it's just that I mean week by week same with the line as far as Zach Smith and um, the offensive line, just getting experience week by week. And, you know, it's different kinds of experience because the offensive line's starting from scratch. But Zach Smith getting back into the groove, remembering what defenses look like, remembering how to, you know, read just the pace of the game. You know, you hear college athletes talk all the time about the pace of the game. And I imagine when you're out of it for a year, you got to kind of got to catch back up again. Shamari Brooks is a, a guy who carried the ball 29 times last week. Is that uh, do you think that's something that uh, that Tulsa could try to do this week with Oklahoma State having a, a somewhat experienced defensive front? Try to uh, try to load up on the run game a little bit. They definitely look for the run. Um, the, the issue right now, it, well, Corey Taylor um, went down with an injury last weekend at San Jose State in the first half. He's kind of their their second guy in the one-two punch. Shamari Brooks more there. Um, kind of shake and bake kind of guy and Corey Taylor's going to hit you in the mouth um he had more touchdowns last year but Shamari Brooks had more yards um so that, that's a that's a big hit for him if Corey, Corey Taylor can go he's just kind of day-to-day right now really haven't got much update on that but I mean you guys know how that goes when it comes to figuring out information <laughs> on injuries but so who knows if he plays but I think he's he's big tk wilkerson didn't look bad last week or anything but he's not Corey taylor and so they do they they will need their run game to have a chance to get oklahoma state and Corey taylor's health will be a big a big difference in that i was looking at tk um took me a second to play some he's from skytook um if he does have to go in there um does he have the ability to to do what Corey does I mean, I don't think you're going to see that big of a job off, but like I said, he's not Corey Taylor. Corey Taylor, he's a heck of a running back. I mean, he and Shamari Brooks were both on the Doak Walker award list coming off the year, and just their experience, too. And Corey Taylor just strikes me as one of those guys, not even on the field, but off the field. He, uh, I mean, he's technically, I guess you could call him the backup running back, but He's one of the main guys that they present to media. He's one of the main guys that people, the teammates talk about. And so just that void alone. Um, but no, I mean, TK Wilkinson is definitely, I don't think he's a huge drop off and that's going to lose him the game or anything, but he's definitely, he's not Corey Taylor and not, doesn't have the size as Corey Taylor either. Is there a guy at receiver? Seems like they spread the ball out pretty good, and a couple of names that that sort of popped out to me. But uh, is there a, a guy at receiver that they really like to uh, to target? Um, Keelan Stokes is kind of their guy coming into the season, um, and Keenan Johnson. But really, it's kind of been all over the place. I mean, Denzel Carter, um, he's a JUCO tight end transfer. Um, he was kind of their bigger targets. I mean, he's 
he's a big target. He's like six five. Was it two hundred and seventy five pounds? Mm. Um, so he's a big guy. They've been trying to uh, get the tight ends involved more in the offense this season. Um, but Keelan and Keenan are guys that have been around for a while. That's who they look to. But like you said, they spread it around like crazy. There's no. We, I know we're only two games in, but there's no guy where you're like that's that's their receiver so far. All right, let's uh, let's change gears just a little bit. A quick history lesson, Dakota. I first met you. I think what would that have been? Twenty fourteen, the uh, the year of the uh, the the epic Lo- Locust Grove Douglas scandal. Is that when that was? Twenty fourteen. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 And uh, yeah, so it's been uh, we that would, now that's when we first met, but I really got to know you uh, in 2017 uh, when you were uh, a senior at Oklahoma State covering uh, covering the Cowboys for the Ocali. Uh, so you've got yeah. some Oklahoma State history. Um, what have you seen from this team that, uh, that that stands out? In what in what little bit you've been able to see? I know you got your own uh, your own job that uh, keeps you from mm-hmm. from watching them intently. But what stands out about them to you right now? I mean, this probably sounds like the obvious answer, but that offense is kind of crazy. I mean, you have three guys like they have. Um, I was in the office. I'm not traveling with you, so I was in the office when they played Michigan State, and OSU came on right after them. And honestly, going into the season, um, I thought the OSU team game would be pretty close. And then after watching them that Saturday night, I was really kind of floored by how good the OSU offense looked. And I was like, I don't know now. Like that, that TU defense looks good, but holy cow, that OSU offense looks good. Just, I mean, it's just like a, I remember on NCAA football, Lee Corso would always say, it's PYP, pick your poison. Um, that's kind of <laughs> what it is with OSU. It's just kind of a pick your poison of, you know, who's going to beat you this, this play. You were uh, you were there for the um, for the, the the sweet spot of uh, of Mason Rudolph and and James Washington. Obviously, mm-hmm. Spencer Sanders hasn't been able to, to to develop that deep of a connection with Tylen Wallace. But does Tylen remind you of James Washington at all? Yeah, I think when you see him kind of go deep and the speed he has, and he floats under it. But I think he almost has maybe a little bit more. Then, like Montgomery said, is one of his big touchdowns last week was just a kind of a little out route, and then he takes it to the house. You didn't see James. I don't remember James doing that as much as uh, Tylen does. And then the crazy thing about Wallace, Tylen Wallace, is he's doing this. One of the big assets that James Washington had is, like you said, he had Mason Rudolph, a guy who had really been catching passes with his entire career. And so um, Tylen Wallace had Cornelius last year, and now he has – uh, Spencer Sanders, and so he hasn't been able to really even get a full season down with a, a without going to the next quarterback to get adjusted with. All right, Dakota. Listen, that's uh, that'll do it for uh, for the Tulsa conversation, Tulsa Oklahoma State conversation. I'm going to remind fans it's coming up at two thirty at H A Chapman Stadium up in Tulsa. Dakota, really do appreciate you taking uh, taking some time to join us today, man. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. Awesome. Thanks, Dakota. All right, we'll take take a quick break and be right back on the Cowboy Chronicles presented by Zaxby's. We are back on the Cowboy Chronicles presented by Zaxby's. I am your host, Scott Wright. Joined by Jacob Unruh, and it is mailbag time. 
Got some interesting questions in the mailbag this week. Not a ton. Let's go. Not a ton. We need the fans to pick it up next week. Yeah, hey, we need some questions here maybe maybe there's not a lot after mcneese state that they yeah i think that questions. was i think that was uh, a little bit of it all the all the questions got answered last week. bring them next week for texas that's exactly right now um we'll, we'll jump in with this because i got this question multiple times uh, people are really curious about calvin bundage and israel antoine bundage i think it's just going to be a wait and see every week if 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 he shows up on Saturday, we'll know. That's yeah. that's basically how it's going to go. Um, maybe there's a, an opportunity where um, you know he gets uh, gets cleared late one week and and starts practicing, and then Gundy you know is able to tell us yes he's been practicing and he'll be playing this week. Most likely, you know, usually he has his conversations with medical staff uh, on uh, either late Monday or Tuesdays after he's done meeting with the media. So that information is usually not available on Monday morning when we get to talk to him or Monday at lunch. So um, that keeps a lot of their uh, a lot of their injury information uh, out of the media and very difficult to find. So I think if we're going to see Bundage, it's going to be a most likely a surprise on a Saturday when he just comes running out of the tunnel. Yeah, you're going to see number one come out, and it's not Landon, just Landon Wolf, and they're yes. number one. It's going to be Calvin Bundage, and um, you know, and if if you've ever had a back injury, they suck. Yeah, uh, oh, I've yeah. I've just like pulled a muscle just a little bit in my back before, mm-hmm. um, and it just it's miserable. Well, it's it's so. it's one of those that you don't realize until you start having to move around with a back injury. How bad it is! It's like everything you do. You can't even cough yeah, with a exactly. back injury. No, I mean, it's it's like a rib injury almost. It's just yeah. everything you do. Exactly. So um, now Antoine, uh, the the details, the specifics of this uh, of this situation not coming out. Uh, I do have sources that say not an injury. It's not like a legal matter. Um, I don't I don't think that it's anything academic. Um, I got uh, got asked if it was related to his uh, NCAA transfer. I don't think that that would be the case. I think I think that Gundy would have been open about that and not uh, not so cryptic in mm-hmm. in what he called a, a technicality and a uh, administrative issue that's out of his hands. Um, so we'll uh, it's a it's a wait and see thing with him as well. I think it'll be the same deal if he runs out on Saturday in uh, in his uh, in his pads. Then we'll know he's playing. Uh, but Gundy said a couple of weeks ago that they're um, he's he's been practicing with the ones and twos. I, I think this week he's updated it. To, uh, he's he's hanging over G. Yeah, right. Almost uh, on almost O. o. So. Someone asked what that means. Uh, yeah, he's spelling go. Yes, <laughs> so yes. It exactly. actually took me a second last week when he first said that. <laughs> I was like G on a. Oh, okay, okay, I got it. Yes. Um, one of the questions. This kind of bounces back to uh, to the bondage situation. Is Malcolm Rodriguez a linebacker all season? Don't know. Um, I think. I think. I think ultimately he is. I think ultimately he will be. Um, but I. Th- I mean, I don't know if we have a definitive answer until what they do if Bundage comes back. Yeah. And but I think he's played himself into that role. Right. Um, I mean, he's just all over the place and on the ball all the time. Right. Um, and you know, I know they're working. They'd like him to be a little heavier, but. I don't think he can complain about the way he's playing, no. not the way he's at. So no, absolutely not. Now, one thing that could uh, that could change things: Kevin Henry did come back last week, um, so he could work his way back in. So here's the here's the issue with all these guys that could be playing his position: Kevin Henry, Calvin Bundage, Devin Harper. They've all had injuries. Mm-hmm. They're all working their way back from injuries, particularly Bundage and Harper. Henry was going through some stuff in preseason. 
Harper and Bunnage hardly did anything in the preseason. So even when those guys get back, they're not going to be ready to go out and play 50 or 75 snaps right. in a game the way that, that that Malcolm is being asked or was asked at Oregon State. He got out yeah. about halftime against McNeese. Yeah. So, um, so those guys are still going to have to work their way back. Um, you know, Devin Harper is uh, is getting much closer. It sounds like he's a guy that that we had uh, had not been talking about much uh, because of that uh, of that foot injury that he had surgery for in the off season. Uh, but he's getting a lot closer. Should be in really good shape because uh, because Coach Glass keeps him on that bike during practice for the most time, <laughs> most part, and so he should be cardio's in good. good. Yes, his, his cardio should be fantastic at this point. Uh, so he should be ready to go. It's just uh, just a matter of of getting comfortable again, and he's he's a guy that can play that outside spot as well. So um, you know, we'll, so we'll see what uh, what happens with him. Uh, sounds like he's getting more and more involved. So. Could be uh, could be number sixteen out there running around doing some things and, and trying to help that linebacker depth at this point. Uh, Nadrin Desidere sounds like his injury from Saturday was not serious. He wasn't injured Saturday, but he didn't dress out Saturday. Uh, sounds like it was not serious, and he should be, uh, be be back if they need him as well as a uh, as a true freshman. So, um, somebody asked if uh, we were surprised how many true freshman got to play against McNeese State. Uh, now, Jacob, you weren't covering the beat last year and didn't see the the, uh, the kind of confusing way that Mike Gundy used the redshirt rule, but uh, but your thoughts on that question first. I mean, it seemed like the right time to play those guys, right? Yeah, I absolutely. mean, if you're going to get them experience, um, you've got to do it against McNeese State, an FCS team um, that's completely overmatched. Uh, so you get them an experience. It seems like that's the way I would envision a coach using that rule. He gets, you know, because now you can get some of those guys on special teams a couple more games, maybe. But you're not; there may not be that chance again to get them any kind of that any any kind of meaningful experience like they just got. And so, I like that. I know last year he was kind of all over the place with yeah. what he did with guys. Very, very limited in the way that he that he used the redshirt rule so last year. Maybe now he's learned from it, or take like I said, or taking advantage of an FCS opponent. There wasn't one last year, right. and so now you got that advantage. Yeah, yeah, and and that was another thing. They didn't have a bunch of just crazy blowouts last year, mm-hmm. where you were in the middle of the third quarter and felt like you were could start start getting more guys in. So that was uh, that was a little bit different. And and they, and they may not have felt that any of their freshmen were ready last year, like maybe yeah. some of these guys. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely possible. So we'll uh, we'll see how that goes. You know, if they if they happen to uh, go out and torch Tulsa this week, if they get a big lead and, and feel comfortable. Maybe they uh, maybe they work some more of those guys in. I still think the majority we've seen uh, well, we've seen thirteen true freshmen play. I would say based on depending on Dizidere's injury, I would say mm, right now four and maybe five that are actually guys that play the majority of the season. Obviously, we know Tom Hutton's playing. Yeah, uh, we know Trace Ford's playing. Yeah, he's not he's not redshirt at this point. Uh, no. Uh, Jaden Jernigan, I think we can think, uh, pretty much mark play. him down for sure. And uh, the way that they're using Thomas Harper, uh, it feels like they're uh, they're wanting to keep him involved. So mm-hmm. um, those four, I think for sure. Then Desidere would be the uh, the question mark. You know, if some of these other guys come back healthy at linebacker, they might be able to go ahead and save him and uh, and and not do it. But um, you know, they got him in that first game for a reason. That was uh, that was when they were they were serious about the guys they were playing. So. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Last question to uh, to shut things down on uh, on the mailbag, and uh, an, an interesting one though. I though I, I I don't think it's cause for concern. But uh, why are they not making a better effort to get the ball to Jelani Woods? I I think it's by design right now. 
Yeah, I, I think it's let's not show our hand entirely in these first couple games when we're right. going to Big 12 play. I mean, you may not see him get the ball much this week against Tulsa either, to right. be honest, unless they really need him to. But I think it's kind of let's let's not show our hand with him until we go to Texas. Yeah. Um, kind of what what coaches were thinking, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, but you've also got guys making so many big plays that have you – I don't think OSU's needed him. Right, exactly. You know, and there have been there have been moments um, when when he was options in 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 passing routes. There was a play at, at Oregon State uh, where I initially I initially uh, sort of uh, was given Spencer Sanders a hard time because he missed Jelani Woods wide open across the middle of the field where he would have had a touchdown. But then I went back and looked at the at the at the replay of the play, the throw that Sanders had made to Landon Wolf. Which was an incredible throw from the far hash, yeah. like thirty yards on on a dime, and uh, it was this incredible throw that he made. Yeah, yes, he had this guy wide open that he missed for a touchdown, but the throw he made was uh, you can't was, knock was the throw. Ridiculous. I mean. So, um, so that that was an, an option. Um, the uh, I think it would have been the second Tylen Wallace touchdown on Saturday. Uh, it looked like Jelani was maybe uh, a, an option, depending on how that play was uh, was was defended. Uh, because he was in, in the short flat, and then Wallace ran the uh, what looked like it was going to be a fade, and then stopped and came back, and uh, ended up being the guy that was in single coverage there, while Jelani had about three guys trailing him. So, um, you know, I think that they are they're they're keeping him involved. He's on the field plenty, and as uh, as the season goes on, especially as most people are doing more things to take Tylen away, he's going to become. A significant factor, I think, in uh, in in what this uh, in what this offense does. Uh, last question. I uh, this is just from uh, me, um, but uh, but your <laughs> your own mailbag your, your question. Pick, Here we your go. Pick this week. We haven't ever done. Uh, we haven't ever done our picks on the on the podcast. We have not done our picks. Uh, you on don't the podcast. have. To, you do you want to score or do you, you want to just throw pick? out your score? Just uh, let's uh, let's uh, let's just uh, let's play. We'll play the spread. Do you do the does Oklahoma State cover? I think fourteen and a half is about the max I, of what it's uh, what I, it's hit. I I I think they cover, and I I think they cover. Is they double it? Is, they double I it? think they double it. Yeah. I do. I do. I think I'm it's a 28-30 point victory in there. Um, that's that's what I think. I, I think I don't think they're going to put a huge d- number on Tulsa like they did McNeese and or or say maybe I think I think it's going to be in the 40s instead of the 50s. All right. Well, that was that was going to be my next question. So, was do they get to 50? I think they say in the 40s on yeah. this one. I think uh, I think it'll be close. I think they'll have an opportunity, but. Uh, but that is uh, that's uh, you know we'll see we'll see what happens. I think that they'll have a chance to get to fifty, but I, I sort of lean like you toward uh, somewhere in the forties. I think the defense will play well enough that uh, that they can go ahead and, and like I said, double up that uh, mm-hmm. that fourteen point spread and uh, and win comfortably. So, all right, well, that'll wrap it up for this edition of the Cowboy Chronicles, presented by Zaxby's for Jacob Unruh. I am Scott Wright. Thank you for joining us and. Uh, be sure to uh, to check out Zaxby's, cure your cravings, stop in today, or visit zaxby's.com.